thing. Hey, so maybe some of you do not know this. Uh, a few months ago, we hired a new pastor, uh, and he is what we call a 1030 pastor. Not that we're having a service at 1030, but he will be leading uh, uh, the teams that uh, do middle school and high school ministries from the ages of 10 to 30. And so middle school ministry, high school ministry, and then he will be leading uh, the young adult ministry. And uh, his name is Gerald Coleman. He's got a beautiful wife, Jessica, and they've got six amazing children. And this morning, you get the treat of him preaching for us. So, yeah. And uh, so, but his street name is G. Like, man, you're such a G. All right, some of y'all don't get that. It's okay. But here we go. So why don't you welcome G uh, as you get ready to bless this. And uh, we're Thank so you. glad that you're here. They Thank just you. Uh, Thank you. got a house moving here. And Jeff, great, great people. I feel like we've been knowing each other for a long time because we just, I mean, we know some of the same people, talk same stories. It's really yes, cool. Sir. Glad you're here. So stretch your hands toward G. That's right. Use his nickname already. Stretch your hands toward G. And uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you. You are so gracious and you are so good. You have loved us well by sending Gerald and Jessica and them six lovely babies to us. And God, I pray today that you would use them beyond his expectation. God, that you would flood our hearts with light, with a revelation of who you are. And God, that you would use him, that he would leave this day tired because everything you poured into him for us, we receive. And we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody say. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Flat. Appreciate it. Oh, God bless you all. So good uh, to be with you this morning. Um, I'm honored and privileged to speak to you all, but even more honor and privilege to be a part of the Grace Fam. Uh, yeah, we are excited. <clears throat> and my wife sends her love. Uh, she is with my daughter who is uh, playing in a tournament, a Nationals AAU basketball, and so they've got some games today, so be praying for them that they do well. Um, yes, as uh, Flett has said that I am the... Uh, the 1030 pastor, this is my first time hearing of that too, uh, since I've come here. I was like, 1030, huh? That's kind of unique. And uh, I've had people say to me, is there a 1030 service starting? Like, nah, there isn't. You know why she's laughing, because I won't say nothing else about that, but she was the one that said it. Um, <laughs> and then I was home visiting uh, family and friends in Chicago, and I had one of my guys, he walked up to me, he said, so yeah, he said, I checked out the church website, so you starting October the 30th, huh? And I was just like, October 30th. He said, yeah, it, it said 1030, you know, 10 slash 30. I was like, nah, 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 that's not what it means. But I have the honor and privilege of overseeing the ministries from ages 10 to 30. And I love serving young people. I believe that is an untapped source of potential. Often we put expectation on them for the future, but God has something for them to do right now, right? Right now. That's so awesome. I'd love to share some of the things that I'll be doing with them. And let me say that my job is not to do all the ministry to young people, young adults, but it's my job to lead us in figuring out how will we invest and empower and equip the next generation. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to serving with you all in that way. If any of you are interested in finding out more about it or saying, hey, you, you know what, I'm willing to step in in any way that 
I can on, you, on this journey, I'd love to chat with you. Chat with me afterwards, or you can hit me up with an email on the church website. I'd love to do that. All right, so before we get in, just confession. I, I don't know why this always happens to me. Um, I wish I could say it was a little less than first service, but if you see me shaking, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's just the brother's <laughs> nervous, so just grab me a little slack, cut me a little slack and a little grace, and uh, we'll get through this together, amen? amen? So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. We're going to continue in our absolute series going through the gospel of John. Luke. Yeah, that's right. Luke. <laughs> Luke. All right. All right. Um, as I was preparing uh, for this message, a story came to mind of my brother and I when we were younger. Um, growing up, you know, one of the things that we look forward to is uh, our father returning home. He would go out doing, on the weekday, go work, you know, rehabbing buildings and then when he would come home, you could hear the key go in the door. And when the key went in the door and the knob turned, wherever my brother and I were, we could hear that at that moment. And immediately, we'd run to the door. He'd open it up. We'd jump all, Daddy, 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 what did you bring us? What did you bring us? And, you know, him working, tired, just wanting to probably come in and sit down or get something to drink. He would say, I brought you me. Oh, see, y'all know that, huh? Y'all know that. And our response would be, oh, man. And we'd go back to doing our, you know, normal thing, playing or whatever, but somewhat disappointed. As I got older in college, I realized that I was disappointed that he didn't bring us some toy, some game, some snack, but my disappointment caused me to miss the bigger picture, that daddy came home. And I was so grateful in that moment that, you know what? That was something for dad to come home every day and really to bring the gift of himself. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about moving beyond our expectations. Moving beyond our expectations. If you have your Bibles there in Luke, the seventh chapter, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one underneath your seat. Uh, you can follow along, uh, page 863 in the New Testament. Uh, that's the latter half of the Bible. Um, and I'll begin reading at verse eight, 18. Also, let me say this. Um, when you read the scriptures, when I read them, I like to use my imagination. And so I want to extend the invitation to you as we read the scriptures. We got a bit to read through. Use your imagination. I mean, Satan has tempted us with our imagination all week long. Why not let's use them for something positive, all right? Let's do that. All right, so beginning at chapter 18. The disciples of John, John the Baptist, reported all the things that Jesus was doing to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord saying, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? In that hour, 
he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers, messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Some interesting things going on in this text, wouldn't you say? Now, unfortunately, we don't have time to delve into all of that, and you have the luxury of doing that on your own time. But I would like to highlight a few points that I think would be significant for us this morning. Looking first at this question that is asked by John the Baptist. You know, he's hearing all of this stuff about Jesus happening, and, you know, his disciples are checking him out, and they're bringing him the news. And the reason John isn't able to see anything is because he's locked up. And so he's locked up because he has spoken out against the ruler, and the ruler, you know, has gotten a little upset and is like, yo, we got to lock this dude up. He's a loose cannon. So they got him locked up, but yet John seems to be waiting on something. And so he sends his disciples, he says, yo, go ask him, is he the one, or do we need to be looking for someone else? John's central message was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he was talking to people about getting them ready for the reign of God, and there was one coming. You can't talk about the kingdom of God without talking about the king. And John had some expectations about this king 
and what he would do. We also have expectations about this king and what he should do. Many in that day were looking for a revolutionary, someone who would overthrow the Romans. They all kind of had their things that they were hoping or thinking he would be. And John seems to be a little disappointed, like things aren't panning out the way that he played them out in his mind. Often we have expectations. And when these expectations go unmet, they cause disappointment. Now, I don't judge John for being disappointed because John does the right thing. He brings his disappointment to Jesus. He doesn't just get an attitude and, yo, forget that cat. Yo, we, what, who, let's, let's look for somebody else. He doesn't do that. He doesn't, but he brings his disappointment to Jesus. And so they go to Jesus and they ask him, hey, you the one? Jesus doesn't respond directly like he kind of does as you read through the Gospels. He starts healing people, starts preaching the good news to the poor. Before he says anything, he's doing the work of the kingdom. He didn't pull out a pamphlet or a scroll on 10 reasons why I am the one, though that might be a good thing. He didn't pull it out. He didn't go through all the Old Testament prophecies with them, but what he did was he gave them an experience. He said, hey, just, just watch what I'm about to do. Because he wants them to see and feel and experience the life of the kingdom. Now, I believe in giving an answer for our faith. I believe sometimes in giving arguments and even debating can be good. But there is nothing like letting people see the kingdom in action. Nothing like it. You know, it's, it's kind of faded in our day, but there's this universal symbol that we all recognize as kids. If I do this right here, you know I'm talking about the golden arches. Now, there's been a lot of revelation about the golden arches lately, and it's not as tasty as it used to be. But driving down the, hall, the highway, you can see those golden arches lit up. And as a kid, they would say, I want to go to McDonald's for some fries. You don't just pull up to the sign when you get to McDonald's and say, oh, we're here. We're here. We're at the golden arches. No, you go in and you order. And so Jesus, he gave them a taste of the kingdom. He just didn't describe it to them. He gave them a taste, and then he said, go back and tell John what you've seen and heard. Now listen to the words that he puts to it. He says that, tell him that you've seen and you've heard the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have the good news preached to them. And then he adds this, and blessed is the one who is not offended in me the one who is not scandalized by me or a stumbling block. Now, this is interesting. Why would he throw that in there? Well, we've been going through the gospel of Luke, and so maybe you remember when we hit Luke chapter 4. I don't because I wasn't here yet, but maybe you do, and I'm just going to thumb over there right fast and read to you a little bit of what Jesus preached in his first sermon of Luke chapter 4 because it's important here. And so in Luke chapter 4, his first message, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. They saw and heard that, right? 
He said, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Recovering of sight to the blind. They saw recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I wonder if John was a little bit disappointed because he was waiting for the liberation of the captives. Because he was in prison, he was in jail, and he's saying, okay, Jesus, you're the king. When's it going to start? I know you're going to come get me, right? I know you got me. How often do we find ourselves holding God as a prisoner to our expectation? Thinking that, okay, God, I know you're going to do this right now. Or some of my family would say down south, right now. You're going to do this right now. And we expect him to move because we all know the prayer, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, my will be done. You know, that's, that's kind of how we, we treat God sometimes. Is we think he should, we should say jump and he should say, how high? that we should say to the king of kings now and he should move. And so many of us have this disappointment because we thought he would do it in the way that we had imagined. And many of us have become disappointed. And our disappointment, the temptation is not to bring it to him. If you've ever read through the Psalms, you can see David express his disappointment to the father. But Satan will use our disappointment to put us in isolation where we won't talk to him about it. And we'll begin to isolate ourselves and we're coming to church and worship is going forth and we're going through the motions, but our lips are are saying it, but our heart is at such a distance because of our disappointment. What will you do with your disappointment? Moving quickly, Jesus, after those messengers leave to go back to John to give him uh, the word, Jesus then turns to the crowd and he says, when you went out to the wilderness, what were you expecting? Were you expecting to find somebody being blown like a reed in the wind, just tossed by every wind? No. Did you go to find someone dressed in the latest fashions And to see a fashion show out in the wilderness? No. Did you go to see a prophet? Yes. And more than a prophet. A prophet is a messenger of God. A prophet is known for speaking forth God's agenda. In our world, there are so many agendas and we desperately need to hear God's agenda. And so he says to them, you went to see this, you went to see a prophet. John was preaching repent, and I believe that a prophet, the description for me is a heart revealer, because a prophet seeks to know the heartbeat of God, but a prophet also has given insight into the hearts of humanity, and their job is to join those two together to say, here is the word of the Lord. Here is the heartbeat of our God. Here is where 
your heart is. The Father longs for our hearts to be connected. And so they went out to hear this prophet. They went to hear this message. And as Jesus is saying this, you know, he's, he's saying, you know, and anyone that's been born of a woman, they ain't greater than John. John was that dude. John was the man. But anybody that's least in the kingdom is greater than he is. What kind of king is this? What kind of king is this? Now, in the passage, it gives us insight into something unique. It says that the, the people, when he said that, they deemed God as just. But then it makes this caveat, and it says, and the tax collectors too. Because there were all types of sinners around it, but the tax collectors were kind of in a category of their own. I mean, them was some rascals. Skimming money off the top. They working for the government who's persecuting the people. And then they charging their own people extra and pocketing it. Some rough folks. But it said, even the tax collectors deem God as just. And so I can imagine when Jesus said that, that you can see the sinners, the worst of the worst, saying, amen, show you right, amen, preach it, Jesus, that's show the truth. And then as it scans, the camera scans, it scans on the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are like, hmm. They're upset, furious. And it says, because they didn't respond to what God was doing through John, through this prophet. They rejected it. And Jesus says, what can I compare this generation to? You know, y'all, we, we play you a happy tune, and y'all like, we ain't dancing. We play you a sad song, and, oh, no, I ain't crying. You refuse to cry? What can we compare our generation to? I spoke of McDonald's. Maybe I could speak of Burger King. Maybe we just want it our way. And so these Pharisees, something about them that is so resistant, they didn't respond to John, and now they're not responding to Jesus. You know, when John was doing this thing out in the wilderness, yo, this dude is mad strict. He got to have a demon out here in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey. You see how that cat is dressed? Something wrong. Yeah, he's a little bit off. He's a little bit too holy. He's a little bit too extra holy. And then Jesus comes, and they're like, oh, I know he ain't a man of God. You know he ain't a man of God because he wouldn't be eating with the tax collectors. Did you hear about his first miracle? He turned water into wine. You know that ain't God. (laughs) And they're scandalized. What are they scandalized by? They cannot believe how good he is. They're scandalized by his goodness. Because the Pharisees and the lawyers, these are working people. What I mean by working people, because they're working so hard so they could be approved by God trying to dot every I and cross every T. Oh, if, if I take enough steps, God will be happy with me. 
when the inside is we could never do enough to be pleasing to God. You can never earn his approval. You can never earn his favor. But the Bible says in John chapter 1, to as many as believed on him, he gave the ability or the right to become children of God. See, grace is something this king freely bestows. And so those who believe on him, he says, you're mine. And so... We don't have to work to be something, but actually we work from something. We're not having the mentality of, oh, if I keep doing it, if I do a little harder, he's going to be happy. You have your God? Try a little harder. And so these Pharisees and these scribes, they were so used to laying heavy burdens on the backs of people, on these sinners, that the sinners were like, oh, we out. We, we just ain't got no chance. I know we are unclean. There's nothing. And when they heard the message of the prophet, when they heard the message of Jesus, they began to respond. Grace is a scandalous thing. What kind of king is this? What are you looking for? Is he the one that you were expecting? Many of us here are quietly disappointed. Dealing with frustration, well, God, you didn't do this thing like I wanted you. I was waiting on my miracle. And you've silently backed away. But you don't know that he's perfect in all of his ways. There's a picture so beyond what you can comprehend. He's perfect in all of his ways. And this morning, my challenge is for you is to bring that to him. Talk to him about it. He's a big God. You won't upset him. You won't frustrate him. As a matter of fact, he's only calling you deeper. He wants to reveal more of himself to you. But you've got to Lay it down. And there's many of us here who we're we're scandalized by his goodness. Oh, I can't believe that gospel. I haven't paid enough for my sin. I haven't done enough. No, he wouldn't do this for me. I can't believe that. No, he's, he's good for them. He's perfect in all of his ways for them, but not for me. I'd like to invite you into what the psalmist says. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see. Why don't you just try him? And then there may be some of us who say, look, no, God doesn't do that today. You can't believe his goodness. Like, no, he's not doing that in our time. Mm -mm, That's old, you know. Lay down, lay it down. Let God be king. Lay our expectations down before him. What will your response be? Everyone, please stand with me. I'm going to ask Brother Dwayne to come and play softly here. Some of you here, 
Maybe this is speaking to you where you are. If so, I would love to invite you down here to the front to just lay those expectations down. To say, Lord, I'm bringing my hurt, I'm bringing my wounds, I'm bringing my disappointment. This thing has been a barrier between you and I. And I need to lay it down. If that's you, come on down, don't hesitate. Lay it before the Lord. If you're the one that's saying, you know, I'm really struggling believing that he really is that good. Come on and taste and see. Taste and see that he is good. Maybe you don't know Jesus this morning and you're saying, yo, that sounds like my type of king. Don't wait any longer. Our prayer servants will meet you down here to pray with you, to pray over you. Even if it seems hard, let me tell you, this is the sweet, scandalous thing about grace. Grace will help you when you don't have the strength to help yourself. When you say, I I can't lay this down, this is too big, God's grace says, let me help you. You could lay down the heavy yoke. You can lay it down. For those of you who are okay, say, hey, that's not me. Let me release this blessing over you. May you as a people of God leave this place with the awareness that we serve a great God and King. And he is able to exceed all of our expectations. And in the middle of the week, when you're going through something hard or stressful, and you feel disappointed, may you have the grace and the strength to lay it down and say that he's still king and he's still God. In Jesus' name, be blessed.